so ready. All right, we are live. What's up, guys? How are you? Welcome to Philippi Conversations podcast, which we have not done in like a year. <laughs> it was a COVID baby. Uh, it was something we did during COVID because we had the time to do it and we haven't done any episodes in a while. So it's exciting to be kind of back in, in the studio with you guys. And I'm going to introduce you guys just in a minute. But um, first, I want to just give some context to kind of what this podcast is and why it exists and for anybody listening. Um, so Philippi Conversations podcast, part of it, we started it because... Um, one of our kind of core values as a church is we're trying to move people out of rows and into circles, out of attending and into belonging. And, and the, one of the ways we want to do that is getting conversations that, that help people see who the church really is and who the people in the church really are. Um, and we firmly believe that the, the body of Christ is so diverse and there's so many gifts within that body. And we want to get the church to see just how much the church is doing outside of Sunday morning to do ministry and to bring the gospel and bring kingdom, uh, you know, throughout our culture. So this is just a really cool opportunity, especially considering so many of you guys and so many others were involved in this production uh, from our church. We just thought like, man, it'd be really cool to just dive deeper into what that experience was. Um, and so anyway, so the, that that's the purpose of the podcast, kind of from a, a big perspective. Uh, zoomed out perspective perspective so the content we're going to cover is the my trader um performance the my trader play that that just was finished up what three weeks ago or something like that or a month ago and we'll we'll give a little more context to kind of what that was in a minute but um i attended and was deeply moved by it it was just incredible uh it was so fun to see you guys up there and to see um even you know ryan and emily in the background moving things and to see just how many people were involved and 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 so uh it was incredibly moving to me and i just wanted to spend more time kind of help like helping me even understand like what went into that and and what was god doing in the behind the scenes for, for that, uh, that performance. Um, so let me introduce kind of our, uh, our, our guests, uh, this morning. So first of all, we have, um, Ariel Kostrina and say hello, Ariel. So everyone knows Hi. who you are. Okay. Um, Ariel was the writer of the play and also all of the music and really, really everything. Uh, playwright, is that the correct Playwright and composing, yeah. Okay, I don't know the lingo, so. Okay, uh, yeah, the mastermind behind the whole thing, which is super exciting. Uh, and then we have Zimri Anderson, and uh, Zimri played Elena. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Elena? Uh, and uh, I'm not even going to try to say the last name of the character <laughs> because I would butcher it. Um, how do you say it? Petrovskia. Petrovskia, okay. Petrovskia, if you want to Yes, yeah, really I'm not going to cool. say it like that. <laughs> So yeah, she played that part, which was kind of the lead, the lead um, gal part. Uh, and then we have Steve Roby, who played Anton. Anton. <laughs> Anton. 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 Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Anton. I'm not offended. Just my okay. You know, character. Your character's offended. Your alter <laughs> ego is offended. Um, and so that was kind of the lead male part. And, uh, and then my name's Sam Peck and I'm just here to ask you guys questions and kind of learn. I'm actually, I'm, I'm pretty new to, to plays and to stuff like that. So I'm actually really curious just to learn, uh, from you guys this morning. So I'm just going to be here to ask the questions. Uh, and without further ado, let's 
jump into to the content. I thought it might be helpful just since some people might be listening that didn't go see the play. It might be helpful, Ariel, if you could give us kind of like a super um, simple snapshot of what my trader was about, kind of where it took place and what some of the basic plot lines sure, uh, sure. are so people know kind of what we're talking about. Could you do Spoiler that? Spoiler alert. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so it takes place in the 1960s in the Soviet Union, particularly a small town mm. called Pocheyev, which is in modern day Ukraine. And it kind of follows this young couple, Elena and Anton, and they're, they've, um, Elena's just moved into town and Anton is the militia director. He's in charge of basically persecuting the local Christian, uh, group and the monastery there. So I don't know how to say the plot without giving away spoilers, but essentially there's a lot of discovery and heartbreak and change that Elena mainly goes through, but also Anton throughout the course of the play. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Sounds like good. <laughs> well, don't worry about giving it away. Um, what kind of, because I think for us to get into some of the themes, mm. we might need to kind of have a basic idea of what the plot line is. So maybe sure. just give us a real basic, like, here's kind of what, what happens, what takes place. Okay. Okay. So Spoil Elena, yeah, sure. So, um, Elena meets in Poche, an old friend of hers, from uh, her childhood, who is a Christian, who's a supporter of the monastery. So there's a bit of tension between his beliefs and her husband's beliefs. And she's like, okay, my friend is clearly misguided. Um, But things happen. She witnesses a murder and essentially realizes her husband is lying to her, essentially, about what's actually going on and that there is some pretty severe persecution. So she decides to do something about it and to write a letter secretly betraying her husband and um yeah that's there's a bit more context Hmm. is that good so yeah so good there was so many like you you did such a good job of like pulling out so many human Mm. human moments like i'm thinking of the moment where um uh zemri where your character uh elena is like in this conflict of Mm -hmm. like do I, you know, do I betray my husband or do I do what I know is wrong? And just like, you did such a good job of, of playing that and you did such a good job mm-hmm. of writing that. Um, you feel like you feel that tension. Um, and then also like, like your part, uh, Steve, of like this, this man knowing, uh, he's, he's literally lied to himself so much mm-hmm. that he believes he's doing the right thing. And I think we can all relate with some of those moments, right? Like moments where, where we go, okay, I could, I could, um, I could continue to lie to myself or I could just pretend like this never happened or pretend like I never saw this or close my eyes and turn my back. Um, but that, that tension was so felt, I feel like mm-hmm. in, in, in the audience. And you said something, Ariel, and there was an, an interview done with you after one of the shows that I was at. And, and you mentioned that you based it loosely on Esther, mm-hmm. the story of Esther, which once you said that, I was just like, oh yeah. Like, I wish I knew that before <laughs> I watched it. Cause I just went back and was thinking, even talking to my daughter, like, about it uh, afterwards like what Hmm. what did you see there and that was kind of the reality of esther's story too right like she found herself in this position where she was given great authority and therefore had great responsibility to quote spider-man um (laughs) and and she's you know she's she could just kind of turn her back on her people and just go about business as usual but Mm -hmm. she didn't do that she thought such a good job of capturing just human human realities human tensions human moments uh, I'd love to hear Ariel from you and then from, from all you guys really, what, what were some of the main themes that you were hoping to communicate in the mm-hmm. show? Uh, if you had to pick some, 
uh, that you were looking for? One of them you already touched on, um, just in the humanity of Anton. I really did not want Anton to be a bad guy um, Mm. because in the real world, I mean, you've heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And that is just... Yeah, so I wanted to explore that a little bit in Anton's character and really make him likable and sympathetic. And you hate what he does, but you can't hate him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, just kind of bringing sort of humanity there. And then, obviously, justice was a big theme in the show. Um, What are you willing to do in order to stand up for injustice, essentially? Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is that Elena really does something bad and wrong by betraying her husband because she thinks it's the lesser evil than not standing up for these people. And so there's just a bunch of moral Hmm. questions. And I really wanted people to come away thinking about this show and just kind of thinking, what would I do? Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people, like you said, really did, you were moved by it. And I feel like those are the best, those (laughs) are the best plays, the best movies, like that make you think about your life mm-hmm. and make you think about what would I do in that situation and where, where am I maybe similar to this person, like relating on that. Cause life is so much more complex than the classic good and evil mm-hmm. prince and princess kind of story. Right. And, and the best stories are the ones that make you go, yeah, okay. We're, we're all good. We're all bad <laughs> in certain right. ways. And uh, yeah, yeah. You did a good job. What um, Steve's Emery, like what were some of the, maybe some of the themes that you guys felt like were, were key in there, Steve, you want to start? Yeah, I think uh, to quote Esther, the for such a time as this mm-hmm. kind of idea. Um, I know uh, in conversations with the cast and with a lot of my close friends, we have this this difficult time understanding all this terrible stuff going on in the world and then understanding what we do about it. So like the, the timing of the play was super crazy. Like the um, play was basically written before the invasion of Ukraine <clears throat> and it takes place in Ukraine. And then uh, between the two weekends of the show uh, performances was the invasion of Israel uh, by Hamas. Mm-hmm. And so we have like all these instances where Christians are being uh, pushed down or people groups are being pushed down and attacked or, you know, things like that. And it's, it was so apt. And so when we were going into the play, I'm like, man, what can I do? Like, where's my part? Mm. And then just seeing the the scope of the play and the, the way it follows each person through that question, like, what am I supposed to do? What's mm. my part? And just waiting for those moments where God gives you an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So like for me, um, I had just finished uh, fostering a couple girls that I love so much. And we had one of them for two and a half years and one of them for a year and a month and a week and a day. And we just poured our lives out for these girls and loved them so much. And then they were gone back with their uh, birth parents, which was a, it was a good call, but it's still hard. And so wondering like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do now? And the play was a perfect transition into like, okay, I can use the gifts God's given me to tell a story that's going to have this trickle down effect. And I think that's something I was talking actually with uh, Dallin and Trey, two of the cast guys last night about how we can't possibly measure the benefits of our good choices. Like Mm -hmm. when we choose to do one good thing, there's no way that we can understand how God's going to use that Mm -hmm. in, you know, how many other people's lives. Yeah. So being able, for me, I took peace in knowing that I'm not the guy that's going to go over and grab a gun and join a war. And I'm, 
not in a place where I could help them in other ways, but I can help tell a story that's going to have this trickle down effect where each one of us can ask the question, what does God want me to do right now? Mm -hmm. And that some of it's just simple, like loving people and making the right choice and Mm -hmm. being forgiving. And um, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a little bit harder and you have to figure out, you know, Yeah. but yeah, that was one theme that I just absolutely loved. It's good. Yeah. Zimri, what about you? Were some themes that resounded with you as you were taking part in and reflecting on? It's a, um, similar to what Ariel said, a complexity to the characters, definitely, in that there's the good guy, bad guy of, oh, Elaine is the heroine of the show and Anton is the villain. But in reality, Elena does a lot of lying and backstabbing and Anton mm. does a lot of protecting and loving and there is such that complexity that forgiveness is needed on both sides and that even the between the people groups, everyone is doing what they believe to be the goal of peace, to be the goal of ultimately something good and that the light and darkness in everyone. Um, another mm. big theme, which is actually repeated by Elena three times throughout the show, so it's very much the overarching theme, is that all people deserve to be treated with dignity. Mm. And something really um, amazing that I liked that Ariel wrote in is that Elena does not convert to Christianity. It's not an altar call where she becomes a Christian and then suddenly, you know, the world is bright. She's defending that her new people, she loses her people. She doesn't have people on the Soviet side Mm. anymore. She doesn't have people on the Christian side, Mm. but she believes that she, you need to defend people and all people deserve to be treated with dignity, even if you disagree with them, because she doesn't necessarily ever accept a Christian doctrine or come to agree with either side but holds to the theme that no matter what, all people deserve to be treated with dignity. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, the, the bravery of that, in that you know she didn't have a support system really behind her. She was kind of caught between two different systems, really between you know two different sides. Yeah, that's so good. Some of the themes I, I thought of just watching it was obviously redemption. You know, um, I mean, in the end, Again, spoiler alert, but right. The fact that, that, that they, that, that Anton, you know, um, changes and is redeemed and, and is, and is accepted, you know, um, by his wife, even though everything happened the way it happened. And, and there's, I think a picture of repentance there, right? Like he, he changed and he changed his mind and he changed his, his behavior and, um, and grace and, and faith. And I think the, 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 the endurance too, of the Christians that, that were portrayed there, um, I forget John Sled's character, uh, but just that the the, the Christian's ab- ability to suffer well, um, to have joy in hard circumstances, I think was really portrayed well. Um, and then also, I was thinking about mediation. You know, I think um, the uh, the fact that Jesus mediates for us, right? That He steps mm-hmm. into the middle and becomes an interface between us and God in salvation. Uh, in the same way, um, Zimri, that your character did stepping in and kind of being that that middle, that that mediation, I think, between... I, I just thought that was kind of cool. Can I say something really yeah, quick on go ahead. the endurance subject? That is That was another thing that I... Um, because I really wanted to portray the endurance that the Christians had to have had to go through all of that mm-hmm. and still remain supporters, but also showing moments where they do kind of crack a little right. and there's that is this the right thing? Can we really mm-hmm. keep going? But then the the happy, the birthday party song where it's like, mm. hey, no matter what, even if there's terrible things going on, we still have to celebrate. And yeah. enjoy. So there was, mm. 
a lot of interesting things in there with. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I love that. And I, I love it. It was very human and very earthy. Like they weren't, mm. they weren't so perfect. Perfect. Saints. Exactly. Yes, right. right? Exactly. Kind of like we see the, the humans in the Bible portrayed. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like you still see Peter saying stupid things and you still see Thomas doubting and, and you portrayed that well, which we relate with, you know, it's like, we're still right. in process, but I love that too. Yeah. Like you said, that there's joy in the midst of it. There's still moments, even in the hardest of times, there's still moments of, of joy and grief. Um, one more question for you, Ariel, really quick too. Just how long did it take to write and produce this? Uh, and then the caveat to that question was, was it like to finally see something that you spent so much time thinking about in your brain and seeing it actually become a material reality, like seeing it actually become a thing? Yeah. So I, I don't have the exact first date that I started thinking about this show, but I know I started writing it in 2018. Uh, that was my first draft. And so... It was five years, pretty much from start to finish, which is a long time. Uh, so it was really surreal to watch it on stage. Mm. And of course, with Rachel directing, you know, she added a lot of things to it and she really brought it to life in many ways. But getting to see, yeah, just like you said, something that started in my brain and these characters mm. that were just in my brain and now they're being portrayed and and the actors giving even more depth to the characters than I imagined you know mm-hmm. it just was incredible because mm. it was a lot more than I could have imagined in my little brain yeah super yeah. cool that's the fun thing about creating in, in teams too like yes. you you have a concept but then other people elevate it to mm-hmm. a, a, a place that you would not have been able to bring it on your mm-hmm. own and, and and everybody left their own fingerprints right mm-hmm. on it uh, it's so fun. Yeah. So I know it's the really joy, amazing. the joy of a, of a, as a creator is the moment where you step back and go, okay, there it is. Like it's that Genesis or it's that, it's that seventh day, right. Where God kind of goes, oh, wow. Like this is cool. Like it's good, you know? Um, and real, but then the iterations too, right? Like, like God made the world, God made man. And he's like, uh, we're missing something here. Right. So he makes women and like that kind of guy could be a little better. could be a little better. I don't know about you. Like the hardest thing for me as a creator is knowing when it's good enough. Right. Yes. And knowing when, and I think you were asked this question in, in the interview at the thing, but it's like, when do you know, right. To say, leave it alone. Like right. stop, stop playing with it. You know, don't quit, quit it's hard. It. Yeah. Because you could, you could just keep going and make it perfect, right. but it's like, okay, it's never going to be perfect. I'd rather have it be finished. Totally. And yeah. 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 And sometimes perfect is actually less perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of the rock yeah. and roll philosophy, right? Like a little, a little bit less perfect sometimes is a little better. Mm-hmm. Zimri, I want to talk to you a little bit about your experience of like, a, like kind of what, what led you to a place where you thought I'm going to try out for this part and um, maybe talk about the lead up and then talk about how like this has sort of changed you, this whole experience of getting to play um, Elena and, and all of the, all of the work that went into it. I just tell us a little bit of your story from that perspective. So much. Um, so I actually was not going to audition for this show um, or maybe any show ever. So I came to a place where um, theater had been a little bit villainized in my mind, I think, because mm. I I was going to do a show um, and ended up not being able to because I ended up going to a mission in Mexico, living there for a couple of months, doing a school of discipleship through my church. And it was a really good growing experience. But then I think somewhere in my heart, it had that like, did God take that away because it's not good and he doesn't want me to do that? And because it's something that brings me so much joy. Am I, 
am I worshiping it? Mm. Is it something that I'm just not allowed to do anymore? And, and held a lot of fear in that. And then I think I reached a point where I went, you know, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe just got taken away because it was so good. And I, and I wouldn't have been able to appreciate it. And so kind of got out on a limb a little bit and decided I'm going to audition for this show. And admittedly it felt a little safer. I'm like, I don't know, God, it's a Christian theater company. Like, Hmm. and, um, and tried out. And really interesting thing is that throughout the school of discipleship, um, the actually the verse Esther four fourteen, I think what you quoted, um, for right. such a time as this was something that I held in my heart. And I didn't really know why it was just that, like, whenever an opportunity came, what if you were created for such a time as this? And hmm. then finding out that the show was initially based off of Esther, which I didn't know. I was, I was so ignorant to this show before I auditioned <laughs> for it. Everyone else has been part of the read throughs and the music and they've been part of it the whole journey. And I come in like, Hi, I'm Zimri. And you thought it was like a trading company, like like, <laughs> like yeah. trading on the stock market. Yeah, market. exactly. I was yeah. hoping to make some money off of this. Didn't happen. My trader. <laughs> but um, yeah, went in audition for that. It obviously went really well and was just <clears throat> fell in love with the show immediately. And um, an interesting thing as well is I rabbit trail so often. I'm going to apologize no, now and then never fine. do it again. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, I haven't, this was my first lead role in a show, especially in a musical. I haven't done a musical mm -hmm. for some four years and um, done some like supporting roles, but um, I had auditioned for a show last year or something. It was a lead role in a musical, something I was really had my heart set on and I was pretty cocky about it. You know, I was like, I was obviously the best one at that audition. It's in the bag, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> didn't get it. And... <laughs> But I, I didn't want it because of the story. It wasn't something that I didn't have my heart set on the story. I just wanted it because it was a lead role. Mm. And I was like, that you know, that makes me look cool. And then with this show, when I was first reading bits and pieces and hearing the story of it, obviously I didn't know the full thing until I read the script, but went, I want to be the one to tell this story. Anyone else could, I mean, other people can probably do it justice. And it's not that I'm the best person to tell the story, but I want this role because I want to be allowed to tell the story because I want it to be told well. And I can guarantee that if I'm the one who gets it, that I can do my best to tell it well. And I just want to be in that chair. And, and I got it and it was amazing. And I fell in love and Ariel was forced almost every single rehearsal to hear me fangirl like a middle school girl at Justin Bieber concert <laughs> over her work. And... um. But it was humbling in that because compared to the last audition that I went to that I went, I've got this in the bag. This one, it was very much, I don't know if I'm even capable of doing this. It's outside of my range. I had no confidence in my singing voice whatsoever. Hmm. So um, it was very much a humbling experience of bread and fishes was something that got thrown around a lot that I really took to heart and loved was that. I don't have to be good enough. I don't have to be able to be amazing t for this to be told well, but I can offer up my bread and fishes mm -hmm. and God can take it and make it something amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Steve, same question for you, man. Tell, tell me about the lead up to, I mean, this was your first time really doing something like this, right? Kind yeah. of, kind of, sort of, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you tell that story. Uh, right. <laughs> well, I, um, in high school and college, I did a lot of theater stuff and um, had a lot of fun. Time ago, yeah. So twenty years, galaxy far, far. When away. I tried out for the show and it was just in the room next door, 
I was like, I don't know. Is it, is this my thing? Like I, well, I'll just try. And I like messed up on one of the songs and like they had, like I had to redo something. And, um, what's cool is like after 20 years of taking a break, I realized there were gifts that God had given me that he actually wanted to use. And a lot like Zimri was saying, like the loaves and fishes, like the past two or three years of my life have been really um, insightful into my weakness Mm -hmm. and how powerless I am in so many ways. So like I've been, I've been kind of tossed through the, the gauntlet or whatever. I, I lost my job, had to find a different one, moved houses, got, and then lost, uh, multiple foster kids and dealt with some family stuff and some, um, you know, my two boys are turning into teenagers and there's all the stuff that comes along with that. But really in some ways I had gone through the process that my character goes through in the play. He loses his, uh, some of his core relationships. He loses his career, loses his dignity, all this stuff Mm -hmm. where he's like, you know, this is what I'm good at. This is where my values at. And it gets stripped away. And so I'd kind of gone through that process. And so when I showed up to the play, I was like, or to the audition, I thought, okay, probably not. This probably isn't going to work out. And to be honest, kind of like what Zimri said, I'm like, what roles do I want? Uh, what names look cool? Anton. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't know Anton was the lead guy, or at least I didn't really remember it. So I just wrote down some names and did my audition. I'm like, however God wants to use us. And really, we still had the the girls at that point. So I didn't know if I would even be able to do it if I got offered the part. Mm-hmm. And then so many times in this whole process, God's timing has been just amazing. Like there was a time where I lost my voice and I was at two or three rehearsals and I couldn't talk at all. And I teach all day. So I'm like teaching all day without talking, using a recording of myself whispering on the screen for a few <laughs> days. And like just like moments of weakness where I'm like, okay, yeah. God, if this is going to work, it's going to be you because I'm not nailing it here. Mm. Um, and then so we um, I, we did the auditions and then like two days later, we had to do these weird callbacks. And this was the funniest thing ever. Like I show up at uh, Ron's house and he's like, OK, we're here to do these callbacks because you're leaving for Mexico. The same mission that Zimri was talking about. I was going with my uh, with River and my two boys and. So they did this special like reading for me because I was going to Mexico and somebody else was going to Mexico. Emily was going with us. And so they wanted to take care of it ahead of time. And we show up and he hands me the, the script for Mikhail, which is John's character, and then Anton. And they're like, okay, so here's what you're going to do. Mikhail's kind of like a father figure to Elena. Anton is like her new husband. And so we're going to bring in the girls one at a time and you're going to read for Mikhail and Anton. And I'm like... Okay. Okay. So then we sit down the first person and I'm like, okay, father figure, father figure. Okay. Got it. We read through and then I'm like, now I'm supposed to act like her husband. Okay. Like trying to get my head into that space and three different girls come through. I'm like, this is like speed parenting and speed dating all at once. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Like this is so weird. And it had been so long since I'd done anything like that. Like I've done talent shows with my middle school. Oh, I thought you meant speed dating. No, (laughs) that's my only experience speed dating. And I don't count it because I'm happily married and I was not actually dating anyone. (laughs) But yeah, just the timing. And then uh, so day after that, we went to Mexico. And then on the drive back from Mexico, we get the message that um, 
the last foster girl we had with us was going to move in a couple of weeks. And then two hours later, I get the call. Hey, we want to offer you the lead male role, Anton. I'm like, wait, God, are you serious? Like, is this actually doable? And my wife and boys were in the car. And so I'm like talking to them about it. Like, do you guys think this is like, this could be doable? Cause it's a significant time commitment. Yeah. Um, but totally worth it. And I couldn't believe more in the story. So yeah, God, God worked a lot through my humility. Um, just like breaking me down and making it painfully obvious through the whole process that it wasn't because I was particularly impressive or awesome. He gave me gifts that are useful to the body of Christ and are useful in these contexts. Mm. Um, and probably the most valuable part of the whole experience for me personally was being able to live out and act out and feel all the stages of the gospel mm. through the show. I start out, I'm this guy who's like, man, life is great. Everything's wonderful. All the secret like lies and badness I've hidden away and nobody mm. will find it. And then that starts coming out. And then I see my badness. I'm like, mm. oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm the one doing that. No, I can't deal with that right now. We got to just deal with this emergency. And then I go through this process of facing my evil, yeah. facing my sin. And then the, my favorite part is the very end where I come out and I've just overheard John on stage as Mikhail saying, you know, I have some sympathy for that guy because he's he's being destroyed by his own mm. hatred. And then I come on stage and I'm like, yeah, I realized I was fundamentally wrong. And I have no, like there's nothing in me that's worth being accepted right now. And then the moment where Elena gets to be kind of the Christ figure of saying, hey, um, all people deserve to be treated with dignity. You have value. Mm. And mm. do you want to come try to start talking yeah. things through or at least be on a friendly level? Mm. Um, so that that moment, being able to act out the gospel every time mm. the show happened, like I felt it was really refreshing to feel the weight of sin and then the beauty of forgiveness and mm. God's grace. Every single time we practice the show, yeah. I'm like, man, this is keeping it real fresh. Yeah, and I just to encourage you, like I, I could see it, um, you know, in your, in your tears, in, in those moments that I'm like, you know, Steve's acting, but this is real for, mm -hmm. for Steve in a lot of ways, because I know the season that you've been in and, yeah. um, but isn't that the grace of God to strip oh, yeah. back sort of the veneer of what makes us feel comfortable or confident so that his grace can really penetrate into those areas that we would have normally just blocked out, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, you know, I just, I just believed you guys up there. It was cool. I mean, just like, it was so, <laughs> I, it was so moving for everybody that was there and everybody that I would talk to that had saw it just said the same comments. Like I was just so like moved. I mean, uh, so like just in tears and it's like, I, th I think that, um, not only did Ariel, not only did it so well portray the reality of the gospel and, and of redemption, but like you guys just made it come to life and that was really, really cool. Um, so take, let's take a, kind of a funny turn maybe here. I'd, I'd love to hear just some of the funny moments, uh, like some of the funny slash interesting moments. You guys spent a lot of hours practicing, you know, and uh, and obviously, you know, a sign of a professional is you make it look easy. Um, but you guys spent a lot of time. What were some of the funny like stories, funny moments that you guys, you know, can think of maybe that um, might be entertaining for people listening to, to hear that they wouldn't see otherwise, you know, behind the scenes, bloopers, things like that. Thoughts? Uh, <laughs> where do we start i have a list of hilarious moments that occurred so 
one of my funniest moments when I think back. So that when we started out, the director, Rachel, uh, Ariel's sister-in-law, um, was like, okay, so there's kissing. Obviously, you're like newlyweds. Are you okay with that? So I went home and I talked to River and I'm like, all right, like wh- where are you at with that? I'm assuming you're probably more okay than I am because I'm the worrier. Like all three of us sitting here are like overthinkers. And, <laughs> and my wife's just like, yeah, it's fine. Like I know we're good. Whatever. I'm like, really? She's like, well, I know you're acting. It's not real. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I know that. But I'm like overthinking it. So then I come to the rehearsal. I'm like, okay, yeah, I think this is where my boundary is. And Zimri's like, yeah, that's where my boundary is. I'm like, okay, good. They're like the same. We're not going to do any real kissing. It's going to be this fake kiss. But then the moment we practice it, there's like a bunch of people around and we haven't really practiced it yet. And I'm like, okay, so I got to position my thumbs in the right spot. So we're not actually kissing. And I was so nervous that I made it like this cartoonishly (laughs) bizarre kiss where I like, grab her face and go <laughs> and, I, and then like flourish my hands up oh, in the air so afterwards i think i even spun around and then everybody was laughing and then rachel's like okay now that we've got that out of the way let's try to do a convincing oh, moment of like okay yeah sorry i just got to do the dumb thing first and get it out of the way <laughs> Well, and it's just something that you can't you can't avoid the awkwardness. Any yeah. any kind of rehearsal like that, the first few for first first few rehearsals are gonna be awkward. It, everyone's gonna be laughing. Uh-huh. But yeah. what's funny is that the first rehearsal, so we all did this. A lot of Elena and Anton scenes are just Elena and Anton. Yeah. So it was you know working with the director, playwright, everything. But the rest of the cast was not there. So then the first time we do this fake stage kiss in front of the rest of the cast. Nobody knows that this is going to happen, and it looks convincing from most angles, unless people are directly seeing that the mouths are not actually touching. And some people know that there was a no-kissing boundary for the actors, and some people are just like, your kids. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and people just were just like, oh, fake kiss. And then the entire room, they're just like, what? And the state dress assistant stage manager was like, whoa, whoa, there was a there was a consent thing going on here. Oh my gosh. Like, no, so it, was real, it wasn't real, it wasn't real. We fooled the cast. Yeah, we, we told our kids ahead of time, we're like, you're gonna see Mr. Steve. <laughs> Just so you know, it's not real. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So much funny for me was um and humbling as well, but so awesome was how supportive everyone was of every single thing I was not good at. Let's put it that way. Um I had to have extra extra singing lessons because there was definitely the opening song of the show um, I struggled with for like up until opening night, basically. And um, I couldn't walk in heels. So the choreographer had a special... I can't, re- I can't either, just so you know. <laughs> See, thank you. That makes me feel so I would much need, better. I would need help too. Yeah, so the choreographer, <laughs> we had I'd a special tried. rehearsal where she taught me how to walk in heels and... Just all these little things where it's like, oh, you would be expected to do this well, but everyone was super, super patient. <laughs> but yeah, there's and then just the whole holy newlywed thing um, between boundaries and respect. And also, admittedly, we're both pretty beginner actors. And so they I remember so many rehearsals we did run. We were in run throughs at that point, And they go, yeah, we don't believe it. <laughs> no, we, we don't believe you. We're like special rehearsal. That's basically That's what funny. happened every time. They go Special <laughs> rehearsal. We're going to figure this out. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. That whole thing. I, I'm super grateful 
that Zimri was cast for the part of Elena because the communication of like what we're comfortable with and the mutual desire that whatever God wants to do through the story will come through and that Mm -hmm. we would just want to honor the way that God used Ariel's creative abilities and reflecting his image in this creation and then being able to like tell the story well. And so there's conversations like, okay, we want it to be not distracting to people, but convincing enough to where they get to join up with the story. Mm. So there was this, uh, there's this funny moment where the choreographer is like, okay, so guys, I think we're going to do this check-in thing where before the show, you're going to give each other like an airport pat down. Like you're looking for weapons. And that's kind of like this boundary line that you can have in your mind. Like, okay, it's just Steven Zimri. Okay, now we're acting like, and make sure that we're like, we get to set the boundaries for like each day. Like, okay, today I'm comfortable being touched on this side of my neck, but not this side or, you know, whatever. So we got to set those boundaries every single uh, rehearsal and every night for the show, which is super comforting because then you're on stage and you're like, okay, I know there's been consent each night. And then every time like we change something in the script, I would go home and tell River like, okay, so I put my hand on her face like this. And then I like we get really close, but we don't kiss. And then she makes a joke about it. And River's like, I don't know why you need to tell me this. Like every, I'm like, I just don't want any like secrets or anything. <laughs> yeah, I get it. And then there was the um, the foot rub scene the first time we do it. I'm supposed to. Like, I have very sweaty, smelly feet. Let's put it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's context. Right. <laughs> so like down there trying to remember my lines and I'm like trying to take off her shoes. And at one point I broke one of her <laughs> shoes trying to get off and i'm like i don't remember my lines i don't oh this is great then oh my gosh we had to run that like multiple times and so before rehearsal i'd be like hey this sounds so weird but can i practice taking off your shoes a couple times before (laughs) rehearsal it reached the point where i would i had like one line before you come over and try and take my shoes off and i was like learn how to speed take my shoes (laughs) off oh yeah that's the last time i uh go to work wearing heels get both the shoes off so steve doesn't have to do it how do you guys remember all those lines? I just was sitting there thinking like, how in the world do you, like what were some of the things that you guys did to like, to remember all that? See, I, I wish I had an actual process. Steve was the one who's like, he's got this like line learner app. and He's, he's probably like, got a spreadsheet for his process. 127 of them, I'm sure. He's <laughs> probably got a spreadsheet for your spreadsheet for your process. So, so he's like running lines, has his earbuds in, running all that. And he'd be like, we want to get early to rehearsal. We'll run lines. And meanwhile, I'm just... Yeah, I, I just didn't, do it. Didn't have a process. Nice, you did. You just don't have it, you know, mapped exactly. out. Exactly. Right. It's process. a secret process, and I can't divulge it <laughs> live streamed. I want to circle back, Ariel. I want to circle back to just the like. I can't. I can't think of another story movie that I've ever mm. heard that took place in that particular, um, like the so. I mean, we've seen movies and things about the Soviet Union, obviously, but from that particular perspective. It just seemed really fresh and unique and, and something that was outside, I think, of like it was a really opportun- good opportunity for us to talk to our kids about what's mm-hmm. the Soviet Union and what 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 was their position on Christianity. And um, give us some backstory, like what what made you want to write about that particular time in history and about that particular place? Because that was a real place. Right. right? Maybe yeah. speak to that a little bit. Yeah. And most of the things that happened in the show are also real um, mm-hmm. historical events. Yeah, it. It's another God thing, I think, that I came across this place because I had never heard of it. And I was writing an Esther story, and I wanted to put it in the Soviet Union, but I didn't really know the details. And so, 
in my research, I just came across the story um, of Marta, who is a character in the play, and and it mentioned that she lived in Pocheyev, and and the reason that she was targeted is because she went to the monastery every day. And then I so I started reading more about what's this monastery, and learned that it was a huge deal to the Orthodox Christians in um, in basically all of the Soviet Union, even in Russia, people would travel miles and miles to pilgrimage to go to this monastery. And so Soviet government was like, okay, we need to shut this place down because they were trying so hard to make everyone atheists. So it was, yeah, it was happenstance that I came across it. And just the more I read about it, the more I was so amazed by everything they went through and the fact that it never got shut down. The mm. government never succeeded because these people would not give up. And I was like, okay, I think I mm. want to tell this story. Yeah. And you put my Esther character into this story and try to weave it all together. Mm. So, yeah, yeah so, super it was cool. inspiring to me as well. That's why I wanted to share yeah. it. So. Those are my favorite like stories are when you're learning about history mm-hmm. while you're also experiencing, you know, again, a very human kind of dilemma reality whatever tension i just love when those two things come together it brings it to life pretty cool i think someone was saying uh after the show that like i know about communism you know you know it all intellectually but in the play you all of a sudden now you experience it emotionally yeah which is a big difference from the Mm -hmm. mind to the heart Mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent um so there's no question obviously that tons of people were hundreds of people were affected and moved by this performance like what were some of the things that you kind of heard from people as you were starting to get feedback and things that like ways, let me say it this way, like ways that God clearly moved and impacted people through this. What were some of those stories, some of those lines of feedback? Don't all go at once. I mean, a lot of people, it was the general note of just, I was moved by it. Everyone, Mm -hmm. I think that was probably the most common was people just saying, wow, I was moved. I was moved to tears. I was just the empathy in the heart and the humanity that you see on all sides and fleshing out something that you've only known about historically and probably not even very in depth. Mm-hmm. It was probably the, the most common thing I heard. Mm-hmm. Um, someone was talking about how they were thinking about it like days afterwards, just again, like sticking in the brain and kind of mulling it over. So you never know. That's kind of the cool thing about it's like a planting seeds for me. Like you, never know how that seed's going to grow. Mm-hmm. And, and um, yeah, I'm trying to think of specific things that I heard. Yeah, I. it's not so much what I heard, but what I observed mm. in the grown men after. <laughs> not that this was like a challenge for me. I wasn't trying to make it into a competition, but seeing grown men tear up and cry about stuff like that, I think that that says more than their words did afterwards when I'm talking to this grown man, this rugged guy who's like tearing up because of his, this combination of compassion for the people and what they were going through and an understanding of like, wow, that character, that guy just got stripped of his pride and completely humbled himself and admitted he was wrong, like deeply wrong, fundamentally Mm -hmm. wrong. And uh, I think it's so good. It's so healthy. It was so enjoyable to be able to act out the full spectrum of emotions for that. And it's so good for us as humans. We want to emote. Like kids who are uh, exposed to trauma early on, a lot of times they will act up in class or at school in these ways to try to get someone angry because they just want to feel emotion. 
like when a baby's newborn, we're like, oh, I'm so happy. Oh, look at that. Oh, did you get hurt? You hurt yourself. And it's like so exaggerated. But God built that into us as mm-hmm. a way to teach kids yeah. how to emote. And when kids are missing that, they go for it in the wrong places. So I love the idea of seeing these like guys, um, grown men, see this full range of emotion from this character who they do respect in a lot of ways as they're watching him develop through the story. Um, so yeah, not that I was trying to make people cry, but it was a really yes, good indicator yes, of my success in that <laughs> way. And I just wanted everybody to cry as much as I did because I was like rehearsals. The first time we're doing the rehearsals, first time I see the scene where Marta is like hoisted up on everybody's shoulders and they're celebrating. Then she's dying. I'm like backstage like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and then like the last weekend of shows, I was thinking about the Israelis and their family members and relatives that were kidnapped. And I'm like, crying backstage and then I'm like wait no I'm supposed to talk about how this is all okay oh man and there were some times like on opening night and there was one other time where I'm like saying this line where sometimes we have to make an example out of someone as a warning to the other and I'm like getting choked up as I'm saying the line I'm like no no I'm the bad guy hold it together and then one of my favorite ones in this, I, uh, Ariel can speak to this. There was a lady who lived in Pachea for a while mm-hmm. who mm. came to see the play. And mm. uh, I'll let you speak to her. Did she live in Pachea? I thought it was just in Or Ukraine. no, sorry. Yeah, she lived in yeah, Ukraine. She, she went to, to, yeah, because she had a friend who uh, died and they actually took her ashes mm. to Pachea, to the oh, monastery. I missed that part. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, I was like, what? Yeah. Really? No, when I heard that she was there before the show, that there was someone from Ukraine, I was like, oh boy. She <laughs> happened upon it. And she, oh, yeah. afterward, yeah, she was just, her, I guess, approval and right. I- enjoyment of it. And the, I think she felt it captured the, um, I don't know, the realism. And that was like, that was all the approval I could ever <laughs> ask for. It was like, yeah. wow. And and I think there was another woman too from that area. And she said, um, she said, even though there were some tiny things that she felt weren't like perfectly historically accurate, she said it didn't really matter because the story came across so well. And, yeah. and so it was like, okay. And that's what I, I, at the end of the day, I realized some things were not, you know, perfectly historically accurate, but it was enough that it was still, um, it still, I don't know, got across the message. Yeah, yeah it still came through. Yeah. And the reality well, of what they experienced right. in that time. And we got uh, somebody sent out a link in the cast that the Ukraine in the past couple of weeks has yes. been actually like trying to write legislation to kick out the Russian Orthodox Church or a, a branch of the Russian Orthodox mm. Church that's in the Ukraine. So they're literally like, pictures online right now mm-hmm. of these military guys mm-hmm. standing in front of monasteries, standing in front of churches, mm-hmm. telling people they can't come in. And I'm like, this could not be more relevant. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Interesting. Like, we're mm-hmm. still dealing with this. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's all over. Like the idea that, <clears throat> and I, my character says it like someday the Soviet union will be a place where no one is threatened by toxic ideologies. Mm-hmm. That chunk of thinking is still very common in the world mm-hmm. to view religion whether it's you know Islam, Buddhism, uh, mm-hmm. Judaism, or Christianity, as like the opiate of the masses, or like mm-hmm. something that people just believe because they're so simple-minded, when the reality is like these these people have continually shut themselves off from the truth of this creation of this world. I was talking with uh, Dallin, one of the cast members, last night about how 
when we create, like when we create a play like this, when we create, when we're part of the process of acting, we're like living out God's image. And when we emote in that way, we're mm-hmm. acting out the characteristics that he's put in us. And to see all that, to see creation, the beauty of sunsets, the beauty of the stars and the magnificence of all this stuff. And then to say, oh, it was just an accident. Each human life doesn't have essential value in it. They're just other humans like me. And we're all just evolved from dust and dirt rather than to say, no, we are like precious image bearers of the God who spun the galaxies Mm -hmm. into balance and the one who created the idea of black holes and of life and cells and DNA. And he did that and he made us different than everything else. Mm. And to, to look at somebody like the whole, everybody deserves to be treated with dignity. Like to look at all these different scenarios and say, I don't care how much I disagree with somebody or what they're doing. They have value because God made them. Yeah. And it's such a, such a contrast. And I think that's something the play does well too, is the mm-hmm. military guys are like, oh, you're basically less than human because you're so simple-minded and, and gullible or whatever. And then the Christians are like, man, it's really hard to have sympathy on those military guys, but that's what God wants us to do, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, someday I'll figure it out. And it's like, yeah. that's happening in the world right now where people are looking at Christians and, and mm-hmm. religious people in general and saying, oh, you're mm-hmm. just like, ignoring the facts when they're ignoring the bigger facts of their own value. Right. Yeah. It was just, as you're talking about, I was thinking about the scene where the soldier attacks you thinking that you were just one of the, you know, one of the common girls or whatever and Christians and then realizes that, you know, it's the wife of, of Anton. And then all of a sudden he's like in this dilemma. And I just was thinking about that in light of like abortion, you know, and it's like, Mm -hmm. well, it's like, it's okay. As long, as long as it's a baby that's unwanted, as long as it's, Mm -hmm. as long as it's a a child that isn't, you know, but if it's a wanted child, then we'll do anything to save the child. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, know, under the streetlight, it looks like just another girl. And then it really, well, but really they all have value. Everyone has value. Mm-hmm. I want to, we only have a few minutes left and I want to kind of broaden the conversation out a little bit from just my trader, but to, to more in general, like the arts in, um, you know, I think that, um, we need more of the arts in the church, right. And, and 100%. it's such an effective vehicle for communicating theology and it's not, it's not at odds with the academic. It's not, the academy is not at odds with, with the arts. They actually work in concert together. And I think about this production, like how theologically rich it was, how historically rich it was, how much thought and planning and went into it. But yet it was also very much like aimed at the emotions in in a good way and how those two things just marry together so well. Um, what are some thoughts maybe you guys have, or what would would be some things you would say maybe to the church, not just Philippi, but just like any, anybody listening about like the importance of the arts in Christianity, the importance of the arts in kingdom and in, and in the great commission. You guys have any just general thoughts about that, Ariel? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was, first thing I always say is Jesus told stories, a lot of stories because they're a really effective way to get people thinking about something without being, like overt, like he, he never told, you know, there were always hidden meanings in his parables. And so it's, to me, that's kind of my example is I wanted to tell story that is not so overt that it's only going to appeal to Christians, but that is something everyone can enjoy, but it's filled with richer truth. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. So I, I would encourage Christians to, yeah, to not shy away from telling stories to a broader audience that are filled Mm -hmm. with 
those thought provoking questions and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I I think there are many things that the church, a lot like myself, shies away from because we have an idea that it's bad Mm. because the entertainment industry is filled with a lot of twisting and distortions of of godly things. Mm -hmm. And that's what most darkness is. It's a distortion of a good thing. But rather than shying away from it and going, we need to stay out of the entertainment industry. Just stay away from art because it gets weird. Stay away from entertainment because it gets Mm. sexual, which is a whole nother twisted theology Mm. thing. Don't get me started. And in reality, I think we need to attack the entertainment industry. It's fill it with light because storytelling is beautiful. Art, music, Mm -hmm. everything that human beings were created to create. We're created in the image of a creator. It's, it's our nature. We're made to worship. We're made to appreciate beauty and art. We're made to create things. And the fact that that's been distorted doesn't mean we run from it and means that we need to immerse our, not immerse ourselves in it, but create more, fill it with light. Redeem it. Redeem it. Redeem it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Your I would say encourage your creators, encourage your local creators. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there's been this depressing, honestly, shift as uh, high quality music recordings and high quality <laughs> videos and TV shows are a click away or on your phone. The value of the local creator has gone way down. Yeah. Like the number of times when you know somebody who plays guitar and say, hey, can you share a song with us? Like just statistically, that's not really happening. Mm. And there's this expectation of like, oh, yeah, if we're sitting in your living room and you break out your guitar, it better sound better than John Foreman, because uh, otherwise I could just put my earbud in and <laughs> listen to him. Mm-hmm. So encourage the process of creating, yeah. encourage your local creators. There's so much of that going on. Like yeah. Down wants to do a My Trader D&D campaign where we spin off of the story. No I'm way. stoked about that. Uh, that, Trey's that doing sentence literally art made stuff. no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> right, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm assuming Dungeons no, and Dragons. Is yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, we're totally following you. Go right. on. Po- Pokemon Go meets my traders. Oh where my goodness. Where are we going with this? <laughs> so then there's like there's uh, John and Arden Sled who are doing a Clarion Theater yep. Company and starting this Playwright Fellowship with Jacob Brumback and a bunch of people. Mm. There's Annie and Natalie and Ricky Rebel. Uh, and Jesse, uh, all teaching at New Hope, doing a theater program there. Mm. There's um, just so many people creating. Gideon and yeah. Agatha were just jamming and creating some music mm. the other night. Like so many people yeah. in the cast yeah. and in this community are like yeah. skilled artists and creators. Mm. Show up for them. Show up when they yeah. play a song. Show up when they're working on something. Ask them what they're working on because mm. it's discouraging. Like. Artists are naturally oddballs. My wife creates beautiful things and she's an artist and I don't think she's very odd, but then I get up to do something and people are like, what? You're obviously a middle school teacher. You're (laughs) such a goof. And I'm like trying to tell myself like, okay, I have something to contribute. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things like was one of the common themes for a lot of us in like the, the directors and the lead actors and a bunch of the other people. We have this feeling like, oh, I'm faking it like more than faking it. I'm faking it about how well I can fake it. Like if people realize how Mm. bad of an actor and bad of an actor I really am, they would never come to see the show. Imposter syndrome. Right. And it's so deep. And that's one of, I think, Satan's biggest lies is to look at a human and say, the stuff God gave you as a person is worthless. Mm -hmm. The ways that he made you were mistakes. 
but to believe the truth of what Jesus says to us, that he knew us, he was thinking about us, he crafted us in our mother's womb to be who we are and to walk in that, however goofy it is. Like, mm-hmm. So encourage your local goof. Encourage your local, <laughs> encourage your local to create goof. and to keep going. Hashtag Steve Roby. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it makes me think of, in I think it's in Leviticus, might be Exodus, where it says that the Spirit of God actually came upon the craftsmen yeah. to make the vessels for the temple. Exodus, I always love yeah. that. It's like, you know, the Spirit of God empowers so many different... I mean, the, bo- the body is so diverse. And there's so many different ways to build his kingdom. And one of the things that I think we're so rich in at Philippi is so many artists. We have so many artists, not yeah. not just like people that do the plays and acting, but we have people that think of like Mara and River and Kaylise and Mike back there running the live stream, shout out, uh, in, in the, the art that they create. I think of like some of our musicians, like Trevor Hanks and Jeremy Oliveira and so many others that, that play and are recording and writing music. So I, I agree, like like support that, listen to that, like tune into that. Um and, uh, and and Clarion Theater, as you mentioned, so John and Arnold Sled, who also attend here, putting on those those plays. I mean, support them, you know, support them financially. Show up, figure out mm-hmm. how you can volunteer. Um, there's so much good stuff happening. So yeah, I agree. I agree with what you guys are saying. I think that um, I'm so excited to see what what comes next, mm-hmm. and excited for Ariel's next play that she's already working on. Right. Yeah, of we course have like are. a two month deadline, so we're hoping something are. by then. Yeah. Ariel, well, I just the video like, is going to be. You can buy the video online. I bought some ordering forms. We can put up. There. Okay. Yeah. There's a rumor that they could potentially also be available in Blu-ray. So anybody interested <laughs> in that? Dang. <laughs> I'm yeah. I still got a lot of work editing, but I'm working on it. So okay. The video yeah. will be available. So soon. some we'll put some. I don't think they're there right now because this is live. But I'll put some links in the description, maybe to 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 Clarion and to. Do you guys have like a, anything like a website or a landing page for my trader that people can get to content? Yeah. So, um, and then I just, yeah, Ariel, you have to write another one cause it was so stinking good. Like, yeah. No, okay. I, I don't think I can stop now. Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like this isn't club. just us being like, Oh, good job. Participation award. Like you crushed it with mm-hmm. writing that. Yeah. So, and, and both of you guys crushed it in, in, in your guys' performance. So bread and fish keep is- it up. Bread and fish is gluten-free bread, especially <laughs> God can make that <laughs> taste edible. Um, let me pray for you guys. Uh, and then we'll, we'll head off. God, thank you so much for my trader for, um, every bit of grace that was sown in by your spirit into that uh, from from the writing process, the years leading up, Lord, to the production, to the covering and participation of Clarion, to all of the people backstage and um, got all the people that came and showed up and got so many different um, layers of grace was poured into that. And Lord, you um, are using it for your glory and draw attention to yourself. And so God, we thank you for that. And we pray for more to come, Lord. And we pray for these these three creators, Lord, and, and as they continue on in their work for the kingdom, um, Lord, in whatever way that is. And um, so God, we're just ex- we're excited and eager. We're so glad we're on your team. And Lord, we thank you for the arts and the church. And we pray for more. Uh, Lord, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank yeah, you I appreciate Sam. you being on. Yeah, yeah.